Hi, everybody. My name is Greg Katz, and welcome to Tuesday's edition of WeRSE.com's Inside the Trojans Huddle, where we tell it like it is. Friends, Inside the Trojans Huddle is a game-like panel discussion that is posted each Tuesday during the season. Huddle features WeRSC columnists, staff writers, and historians. We first start off with the pregame show, where we introduce our panel members for this edition of Inside the Trojans Huddle. Now let's meet Tuesday's panelists. A WeRSC columnist who writes WeRSC.com's the Monday Morass, yay or nay, and Sunday Takeaways, in addition to regular season football and basketball reports. He also hosts his own podcast show entitled Locked On USC. That's Mark Culkin. The editor-in-chief of WeRSC.com, columnist, national recruiting guru, producer, and moderator of WeRSC's Friday's Four Downs video show and Five Things video show, which is posted on YouTube and WeRSC.com after each and every USC home and away game. He's a graduate of USC. Eric McKenney, a former William Jewell College DB and WeRSC columnist who writes the popular WeRSC.com column, Musings with Arledge, and the well-received Musings with Arledge solo edition. He's a graduate of the USC Law School. That's Chris Arledge. And a weekly WeRSC columnist who writes Friday's The Obvious, Not So Obvious from the Press Box, IMHO Sunday. The WeRSC.com travel guide and an active member of the Football Writers Association of America. Your moderator and producer of Inside the Trojan Subtle, that's me, Greg Katz. Folks, if you enjoy WeRSC.com's Inside the Trojan Subtle, we thank you uh, for watching on sites like YouTube. We invite you to click on the like and red subscriber buttons. It's greatly valued, appreciated, and it is free. You can also listen to Inside the Trojan Subtle on most available podcast sites. And friends, speaking of WeRSC.com, we're offering a first-time subscriber unlimited premium access for just $1 for the month. If you're not already a member, a full-time premium subscriber, you won't want to miss the USC football website that really does tell it like it is. All right, we're ready for kickoff panel. We kick off the first quarter of the huddle with a review of the Trojans' dramatic uh, win against Cal. Uh 50 to 49 last Saturday in uh, Berkeley on a national television audience of the Pac-12 network. Uh, as we look again at what's happening along the way, USC is now number 24, remains 24. And we think that that's going to be a good spot for SC to be in. They need to prove that they can uh, beat somebody and they're going to have that chance the next three weeks. So with that in mind, uh, let's begin with uh, a review of the USC-Cal game. Uh, let's start off with uh, our leadoff hitter, as always, Mark Culkin. Your thoughts on that? So I guess it was fitting that USC's weekend rivalry with Cal kind of ended with a protest to start the game, as well as a protest going into halftime. Because both, I think, accomplished Nothing. USC got the free second, but the end result was, you know, the missed field goal. So there was a lot going on in this game that I thought was interesting. Number one, you know, USC got to see a protest going on before the game started. Offense started great. And then for some reason, it held its own protest in the second quarter again, where it went scoreless. I'm not sure what's wrong with this team. We know the defense has issues. We know the special teams has issues, but why is the offense having issues 
to, to come out strong, 17 points in the first quarter, and then not being able to figure out how to get a field goal in the second quarter and having to rely on your fourth quarter to, to come back and win a game. I'm trying to figure out where the, the larger issue is. Everyone wants to always kind of throw shade and point the finger at the defense. Why is the offense so inconsistent right now? And it's not just right now. We're, it's been for pretty much the month of October. And is that putting too much stress on the defense? So we hear a lot of, you know, we're, we're this close and, you know, just a play away here. And if this player does this and, and what we've been hearing for the last month. Is this team not ready for the pressure? Because the talent is essentially the same, if not better than last season. So I raised the question, you know, are there too many distractions? Lincoln Riley kind of alluded to it with the outside noise. Why is this team look more like 2012 unfinished business than 2023 where you're seven and two, but it just doesn't feel like a seven and two. That game against Cal, it was a strange one. I mean, fortunately, the defense ironically made the play at the end um, to preserve the win. I'm surprised they went for two because I don't know if USC's defense was going to be able to make stops if it went to overtime. So fortunate to get the win. This next game coming up should be interesting. And uh, we won't discuss the uh, everyone's feelings about the following game that we were talking about before we went on the air. So let's just say that USC got the win at Cal, luckily, and we'll see what happens. Are they ready for their next three big tests? Is Lincoln Riley ready to pass his his, his exams? Because I think that's where the problem is. It's like with the coaching staff right now. Well, we should say the Trojans did receive great news on Saturday when Oregon crushed Utah 35-6 to in Salt Lake City. That gave the Utes two conference losses, which means the Trojans are again in control of their own destiny, with Washington coming up this week, followed, as Mark alluded to, by Oregon in Eugene. And, of course, the finale to the season, the home game in the Coliseum against UCLA. Now, it may seem like a uh, reach, sweep those three, and the men of Troy are in the Pac-12 championship game. Eric, your thoughts on that and uh, your review of the Cal game? It's The thoughts about being in control of their own destiny in the Pac-12 are just, it's so funny to me. You had this, the first six games where it was warm-up, and then the Notre Dame game was going to tell you everything that you needed to know about this team. They failed that pretty spectacularly in every way you could. And you're still alive in the Pac-12. And then it was the Utah game right away. And it's okay. You come back home. You put everything together. And now you make a statement against Utah. And you're still in the driver's seat for the Pac-12 championship game and you fail that one not quite as spectacularly but still pretty spectacularly against that utah team and you come out of that and you think okay there there's another nail in the coffin and they're still alive because of how the schedule stacks up it's i mean it's just a a cat with nine lives at this point so this one against washington feels like USC's in that corner and this is the do or die. This is where you find out if you really have a chance to get there or not. 
And I'm sure something, I mean, Lincoln Riley has been pretty consistent in, hey, things break and there's losses everywhere else. And if you just keep going, you'll be there in the end. And so I'm sure something crazy would even happen with a loss, which would leave them still alive somehow. But I think that this is it against Washington. Looking back against Cal, that's it. That's USC. That's that's USC. You can go back to what we thought this team was going to be at the end of the 2022 season. Oh, here's who's coming back. Here's who's coming in. You can go back to what we thought this team was going to be during spring ball, during fall camp. Some of those early games, I think that first half against Stanford, the way they played there, that's not that's not this team. This team is is this. This team is against Cal. They're not good at stopping the run. They can't really cover people when they need a big play, just kind of a a standard tackle the quarterback play when he's in space. They can't really make it. Offensively, there are lulls constantly. They've fumbled the ball 18 times in nine games now, put it on the ground, three of them here against Cal. Uh, special teams is so, so, and they're going to rely on somebody making a play somewhere. And the talent is there to be able to do that in these games. But this was the sixth best team in the PAC 12 beating the eighth best team, ninth best team in the PAC 12. And that's what we saw the sixth best team. Now looking at, at those rankings the sixth best team in the Pac-12 can beat the number one team in the Pac-12. We've seen that constantly through the the history of this. So the idea that you write USC off because they're this team, I don't think you can do that. But this is this is who they are. This is what they're going to have to do against Washington, spinning it forward now. I, I think the Cal game was a was a perfect encapsulation of kind of what this team is and sitting here going into the 10th game of the season thinking it's all going to come together. It's all, all three sides are going to play really well with no issues and no kind of guys out of position or drop passes or something where an offensive lineman doesn't just whiff on a guy when he's running straight at him. Those are the errors that you're going to have to try to overcome Getting four turnovers is a great way to do it, especially kind of where they happen and the points that you could get off of them uh, that USC was able to do there. But that's it. That's the team. That That's the USC team that, that's going to take the field for the rest of the season. It sure feels like. Just enjoy the ride. But Chris, uh, Think in mind, I know you've got your thoughts already together. The good, the bad, the ugly of this game. Who did you think was the key or what was the key to the, the game? Uh, if you can weave that into your uh, into your monologue, uh, it would be interesting to hear from you on that. Well, Chris. so, yeah, I think you're frozen. I think I'm good. I'm going to go ahead and talk, Greg. Um So USC, as Eric pointed out, has all kinds of flaws. And we can stop pretending that that USC is close to being a good team because on each play, there's only one guy who's screwing up. 
if on every single play you have one guy making a critical mistake, that means you're a bad football team. Now that's that's almost the definition of a bad football team. And USC is not very good. They do have some talent. USC is explosive. USC will be explosive on Saturday. They will make some big plays on offense. Marshawn Lloyd is going to have at least one long run on Saturday. Um, Caleb Williams is going to have at least three or four plays where he does something that nobody else can do on Saturday, right? You're going to have Zach Branch or Taj Washington. It's going to get behind people, whatever. I mean, this is going to happen. So ordinarily a game like Saturdays would really frustrate me. And I'd come in here and I'd be unhappy and I'd go on some sort of tirade, but I'm not going to do that. I wasn't the least bit unhappy with that game Saturday. I thought going in that it was going to be a high scoring game that could go either way. And I was hoping we could win it. And we won it. I'll take that. I, I take it not because that was a good performance, not because that was good football. It wasn't. But because USC isn't really capable of playing good football right now. What they're capable of doing is is stringing together just enough plays. A stop here, a stop there, jump on a loose ball here, a long pass there, that they squeak something out. That's just who they are. And I'm just going to enjoy the ride because what, are the, what is the option? I mean, the alternative would be to to every single week, just hate everything that I'm watching. And I've done that in the past. I mean, that was most of most of Clay Helton's tenure. Uh, and I'm tired of it. I'm turning over a new leaf, people. I'm just going to enjoy the ride, okay? Uh, look, if you want to know what's going on with USC defensively, it's the most undisciplined group you've ever seen, right? And they don't really know what they're doing. Well, or when they do know what they're doing, they're really slow to get about doing it. And and so I, I, by the time this comes out, I'll have up another article where I analyze another four or five plays from this past game. I've been doing that a little bit uh, this season just because every week it's sort of interesting to point out what's going wrong. And, and there are some things that always go wrong, right? There are always times when defensive players are – are in man coverage in an assignment that's very difficult for them to handle. That's, that's just a given. That's going to happen probably half the pass plays in a game. And you just see what happens. And you know what's going to happen most of the time. Uh, you have the situation where guys refuse to keep contain. Now, when I say refuse to keep contain, I'm using the right terminology. That's exactly what I intend to say. Because there are players on this USC defense that are frequently tasked with contain. It's a very clear assignment. Everybody knows what they're supposed to do. And they don't do it, not because they get blocked, but because they don't do it. I showed a play. I showed a play after the Utah game. The exact same play happened again against Cal. More than one. I'm just showing you one of them. Um, that's what USC does. They they drop a lot of defensive linemen into coverage because because Alex Grinch likes to zone blitz. Most of the time, the zone blitz isn't all that effective. And then you have big guys in pass coverage. Sometimes those big guys are trying to run with running backs and it's impossible for them to do that. Sometimes they're just in a zone and you have defensive linemen who are trying to figure out what to do with crossing receivers. And they haven't, they haven't spent the last 10 or 15 years playing seven on seven, like most defensive backs and linebackers have. They don't really know what they're doing out there and they don't really have the quickness to do anything, even if they did. And so it just sort of happens. It's just weird. You have so many plays every game where USC guys don't make a play, even though they're, they're not blocked. I, I mentioned that on contain, but it's not just on contain. 
It happens over and over again where guys at the second level, could be a nickel, could be a linebacker, whatever, just sort of stand there and watch what's going on. Holes are opening up, but they're not running to grass. That is, by the way, guys, if, if any of the USC players are listening, here's a tip for you. When the grass opens up, the running back is going to go through it. That's what running backs are looking for. On offense, if you played offense, you'd call it a hole. Uh, running backs look for holes, and then they run through them as fast as they can. If you're a linebacker and you have, let's say just you have the B-gap, okay, and you start to see a lot of grass in the B-gap, what I would recommend doing is running as fast as you can into that B-gap because there's probably going to be a running back coming, okay? But we don't do that. We don't. I mean, sometimes we do. Eric Gentry did it once and had a and had a big hit. I mean, some, we on any given place, most of our guys will do the right thing. They might fill a hole. They might keep contained. They might cover somebody. But there will be one, two, maybe three guys who just doing whatever they're going to do, sometimes standing around aimlessly, sometimes missing a tackle. I don't know. That's what bad teams do, guys. It's what bad defenses do, especially. You got 11 guys with an assignment, and, and, and nine of them do their assignment, and two don't. Okay, that's what bad defenses do. And USC has a bad defense. So it would be nice if they knew their assignments and aggressively attacked those assignments. That doesn't mean that you're going to make the play every time, right? The other team's still trying to block you. They're still trying to make you miss a tackle. Even if you know what you're doing and do it quickly and do it aggressively, things can still go south. But if you do that, you have a chance to play good defense. USC doesn't do that. USC doesn't play good defense. They didn't play good defense against Cal. They haven't played good defense pretty much any time over the last, what would you say, five years, six years? I can't remember now. It goes back a long way. And they're not going to play better defense until they are much more disciplined and much more aggressive than they are now. I don't know when that will happen. It won't happen Saturday. Good news is I still think we'll win Saturday. We'll talk about that in a bit. Offensively, look, it's a mess out there too, right? The the offense has enough skill that they're going to make a bunch of big plays. That will happen every week. It will happen again this week. I promise you. They'll make a they'll make a bunch of big plays against Washington. But you're going to have a lot of a lot of times where the offensive lineman doesn't come close don't come close to blocking somebody. You'll have times when Caleb Williams holds onto the ball much longer than he needs to instead of just getting rid of it. Um, and you're going to have guys put the ball on the ground. And you're going to have wide receivers drop balls. You're going to have all that stuff happen because they're not very good. That's the truth. They're just not very good. We thought they would be good. We wanted them to be good. Lincoln Riley thought they would be good. The team thought they would be good. The media thought they would be good. The voters thought they would be good. Everybody thought they would be good. But they're not very good. So roll with it, fellas. I mean, let's just enjoy the last few games. I mean it. Let's just enjoy the last few games. A, a top five team is coming into the Coliseum, and USC actually has a chance to knock them off. We get the we get the UCLA game in a few weeks. The Bruins can't the Bruins can't do anything offensively, and they're the Bruins. That's a winnable game. Let's win a couple of these and have some fun. And then when this is all over, maybe Lincoln Riley will sit down and take seriously the gigantic problems that are evident in his program and fix them. But he can't fix them right now. He can't. So. Just enjoy it. 50 and 49. 
It's exciting. It's like a basketball game. Chris, so you basketball, got, you got everybody like basketball game and, and Jalen Smith, Dikembe Matumbo's that last pass and swats it down. It's exciting. I'll tell you, you have fired the entire Trojan nation up, Chris. I don't think so. I don't think that happened. I'll tell you, it's amazing. You should be in there uh, giving the pep talk. Now, I should. I, that's probably true, actually, Greg. I probably should. And Lincoln, if you want me to, I'll be at the game Saturday. Maybe I'm we could do it. Maybe you could do one of your videos, uh, and you could actually. We'll send the tape to Lincoln. Put up a giant screen in the Coliseum locker room and play it for the team to see how they respond to it. I'm sure he's very excited about that. He probably is. Uh, look, I'll make my my comment short. I don't think SC has played their best game of the season. I think Cal was. I think everything that you guys have said, I don't need to repeat it because you're all right on. But, you know, there was a couple of things that did strike me. Bear Alexander was a big difference to me that it kind of changed the complexion in the second half. Maybe in the first half, uh, Cal's running game wouldn't be quite so devastating. I mean, that that's one of it. Uh, but there was other guys that did a good thing. What I really want to get to, which is not in the script, I, I went to get a – toilet flapper this morning uh thought i'd share that with you and so how I- was this buried so far down in the show how was that not the first thing that we talked about well i, sh- I should you know what eric i should have flushed that out i really should have <laughs> well and listen in light of how and we should you know what i, I failed to mention this and i shouldn't have I'd like to have a moment of silence real quick because I think there's a good chance that we you a it. moment of silence. This is yeah, awesome. yeah. yeah, well, you got to stop talking <laughs> to happen. Listen, I think we probably lost a third of our viewers this week, not to death or illness, but because we were getting a lot of Oklahoma fans that were coming. Oh, by. that was so, nasty. No, listen, oh, it's a, you this mentioned is the, whole, the whole toilet. I Listen, you mentioned toilets. It reminded me of that OU game. All I'm saying is, all I'm saying is that a lot of those OU fans were coming by to enjoy our misery. I don't blame them. I was enjoying theirs last year. I enjoyed their Saturday. I don't blame them for it, but I think we're going to lose a lot of those people. It's not as much fun to come here and make fun of us when you can't beat KU and you lose your undefeated season. So Sooners, I'm sorry it happened to you. I still hate you and I hate your program and I wish nothing but bad things for you, but I do know how you feel. And, um, you know, I'll probably know how you feel a couple more times this year. So I get it. I get how it hurts. Come back anyway, not this week, give us a week off, but come back next week after you beat whatever <laughs> cupcake you have then. Well, here's the point. The point was, so I, so I'm driving to Lowell's and so I turn on the radio and in the Los Angeles market, we have a couple of, decent radio shows, talk shows that, you, that I listen to, not regularly. but So there's one with a sportscaster named Fred Rogan, and actually Rodney Pete, the legendary Trojan quarterback, is the co-host oh, of the show, right? So to make a long story short and to transition into a question for you guys, uh, Rogan and Pete were talking about Iowa's horrible offense, right? And the horrible offensive coordinator is the son of the head coach, parents right so it got on to the what should lincoln riley do with alex grinch and they believed that the best way to deal with it because it's out of control or as uh, mccullough at the la times wrote it's not a question if grinch gets released it's just how they do it uh so here's the question that, that they had or the comment they had was 
is that Grinch and should sit down with Lincoln Riley and rather than fire him and avoid whatever embarrassment there is in that and their relationship, the Grinch should immediately say he's not going to be back next season. It'll give SC a chance to start looking uh, at potential replacements. It'll, they kind of said that, you know, Grinch could be a bigger man for doing it. Uh, do it now. Just say, okay, I'm turning it over. Now I know it's late in the season. I know that there's still Oregon to play after Washington, but how do you guys feel about that? Mark, what do you, what do you think? Should Alex Grinch just say, I, I, I bow out gracefully or should we just wait till the end of the season? Same question for all of you guys, but we'll start off with Mark. I mean, that would be the noble thing to do. I mean, falling on the sword, but at the same time, you know, I look at it from a more cynical point of view. Why, why relieve Lincoln Riley of his responsibility? I mean, he was the one at the beginning of the year in January after the, after the Cotton Bowl to, to, you know, to tell everybody why he was bringing Alex Grinch back. So I understand the question. I, I, I'm already in the camp of, you know what, it's time to rip the Band-Aid off. Uh, if it's going to, like you said, if it's going to happen, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Do it now. You know, I I was saying this facetiously, you know, we were talking the way, like you do it in corporate America. You have the boss sitting in the back of the office. You have the immediate boss of this person, you know, talking, explaining, get, getting their opinion of what went wrong kind of a, you know, an evaluation period. And it's just the time for the two of these guys to stand up for Lincoln Riley to give Alex Grinch an I love you bro hug. Jen Cohn's in the back of the room with his severance check and just move forward. I mean, even Alex Grinch kind of sound, he sounded resigned to the fact when he spoke to the media at last week's practice. So again, it's, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Should Alex just step away? No, I, I think it's it's I think it's the head coach's job to make the executive decision. That's just my feeling. Okay, let's find out what Eric's feelings are. Should Alex Grinch recuse himself as defensive coordinator immediately, or does he do what Mark suggested? What do you think, Eric? Yeah, look, I don't say this lightly, but Mark's right. And you know how it crushes me to have to say that. <laughs> so, no, que- no question about. No, Mar- Mark's absolutely right. This is not. This is not Alex Grinch's responsibility to fire himself. That that's that is a for me. That's a ridiculous notion to make to put it on an assistant coach to have to make that call. That that's the head coach's call. And when you bring up uh, Brian Ferentz, he I- Iowa announced today, and it was an, an interim athletic director that actually announced it that he's going to finish the season, but not coming back next year. And so th- this is Monday and that this will, we'll, we'll release this Tuesday, but so th- that happened uh, this morning. So yes, you could do that. Lincoln Riley has, has let go of a defensive coordinator during the season before that with the teams coming up right now, Washington, Oregon, UCLA, without a natural kind of buy set up here, I don't have a huge problem with the fact that you you made the decision to bring him back. You got to sort of sit in this filth now for this whole 
season and you you do you make the decision or you announce the decision that you assume by this point has already been sort of mentally made at the end of the year but but I don't put anything Alex Grinch is here to show up and do his job that he's being paid to do to the best of his ability right now I don't think he needs to think at all about outside noise and perception and any of that stuff that that's not on his that's not his in his job description all right now i can see that chris's eyes were deep thought there those brows were lowered for those of you watching so chris how would you handle it do you think grant should just nobly say i'm resigning you think that's the least messy part of it or is it too late to do anything like that the only the only reason to relieve Alex Grinch of his duties now is because Brian Ferenc has been relieved of his and will never get to see the Ferenc versus Grinch matchup. Oh because my god. I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about that, right? Oh my Can lord. Can you imagine USC with guys with guys covering guys they can't possibly cover and people not doing their assignments and Iowa guys just falling down? I mean, it would be spectacular. And we'll never get to see it. We'll never get to see it. Look, Alex Grinch's job is to be the defensive coordinator at USC. He's not particularly good at that. He wasn't particularly good at being the defensive coordinator at the other places he's been defensive coordinator. But that is his job. He should show up to work and do the very best he can at his job, as long as that's his job. And there should be some accountability but the accountability doesn't come from him quitting. The accountability comes when Lincoln Riley says, that's enough. I'm not going to tolerate this anymore. And our fans shouldn't have to, and our players shouldn't have to. And, and he should announce that we're going to hire a new defensive coordinator after the season. And he should take some guys who are playing on the field and he should sit them down on the bench too. Because one of the things that you have to, help your team understand is that there's accountability if you continually fail to do your job and and there there are guys that need to sit and there's a coach that needs to be fired and he needs to take care of those things i'm sure that alex grinch is gone not because i get any inside information it's not like anybody at usc would talk to me but because it's so obvious that it has to happen but let's be honest guys it's a giant red flag that we're here at this point When USC hired Lincoln Riley, I knew that his teams had struggled defensively. But I thought what USC was getting was was a really smart head coach, right? A thinker, a guy who you could rely on to solve problems. And I figured eventually he would solve his defensive problem too. My faith is shaken. I'm not saying Riley should be fired. Riley can't be fired. This isn't Texas A&M. We don't fire coaches and give them a $100 million severance check. And I haven't given up on him. He's a young guy who could learn. I'm just saying, it's shocking to me that it had to come to this for him to see what was so painfully obvious. And it was obvious last year. And it was obvious for Oklahoma fans before that. And that's bad. I mean, that's really bad. So I think he'll do the right thing, but he's going to do it about four years too late, if we're honest. And that's embarrassing. And it also makes me concerned about the future. So all that stuff about I'm just going to enjoy it, I am on Saturday. But right now, I'm going to wallow in the misery 
that Lincoln Riley couldn't see what I saw last year every single week, which is that this guy doesn't know what he's doing. His players don't know what they're doing. He puts them in bad schemes. He, he tolerates a lack of discipline. That was obvious last year, all year long. It shouldn't be that hard, man. It really shouldn't be that hard. So are you that saying- being said, if he wants to quit, he should quit. I wouldn't, it's not like I would complain and, and say, oh, I wish Alex would stick around and, and finish his job. No, if he got kidnapped by aliens and, and, and taken to another solar system, I wouldn't complain. I don't want to see what I've been seeing defensively for the last two years. I just want it to stop. Right. If if I'm being waterboarded, I don't care who takes the water away from the guy. I just want it to stop. But it's Lincoln Riley's job, and it's way past time that he that he did it. Way past time. Well, I'll tell you, I think if it wasn't for where we are in the schedule, given the the intensity, I don't think that Lincoln Riley on his own recognizance would want to uh distract his team with a big move like this. If it was maybe earlier in the season against maybe some, uh, you know, Colorado, uh, Arizona, what have you, it would make more sense. But it's uh, it's 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 all hands on deck. Even if it, those hands also belong to Alex Grinch, but I as well would not feel bad if Grinch said, "I'm going to recuse myself." But they're in the thick of trying to get into the uh, Pac-12 championship game, so it's kind of a catch twenty-two. Uh, but you know. Uh, just to wrap this segment up, that bye week could serve a lot of purposes that right after UCLA, there's that announcement because they're not going to the Rose Bowl. And we'll talk about that option in a little bit. So it's going to be something interesting to follow. Uh, with that in mind, fans, you ever been caught in a last minute ticket frenzy? Distress, uncertainty, it's crunch time. You don't need it. But guess what? There's a game changing solution and it's called game time. Imagine this, effortless ticket buying for all your favorite sports, music, comedy, theater events. No more frantic searches. Game time is your ultimate ticket buddy. Sir, sounds good to me. Want perks? Well, how about incredible deals on last-minute tickets and a rock-solid best-price guarantee? Say goodbye to ticket anxiety. Hello to the sheer joy of being in the moment. The Saturday afternoon, this Saturday afternoon, we should say, the Trojans play number 5 and undefeated Washington Huskies in the Coliseum. Game's an official sellout, but you can find tickets with Game Time for as low as $85. So check out the Game Time tickets after watching or listening to today's Inside Trojan Subtle. And aside from USC tickets, you can also head to Game Time for Rams, Chargers, Lakers, and Clippers, and tickets to all your L.A. teams. And don't forget concerts as well. Flash deals, easy access, seat view images, unbeatable price guarantee, event protection, Game Time has it all from sports to rock concerts. So here's the deal. Head to GameTime.co. That's GameTime.co, not co. That's a co, not dot com. And download the app, create an account, use code Trojans for $20 off your first purchase. Are you ready to dive in? Sure you are. As for buying tickets, it's as easy as tapping on your phone. Tickets are sent straight to your phone. Again, download the GameTime app, create an account, use code Trojans for $20 off. Terms apply. Create an account and redeem code Trojans for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, second quarter, and this is a big one. 
We move on to the second quarter with a preview of the Washington Huskies. Number five in the country, guided by second-year head coach Kalen DeBauer. The Huskies are 5-0 and in the Pac-12, 8-0 overall. Last Saturday, the Huskies escaped Stanford in a 42-33 win in Palo Alto late in the fourth quarter. Obviously, this Saturday is the biggest game of the season thus far for the Trojans. The Washington at USC game from the Coliseum will kick off at 4.30 p.m. Pacific time. Be televised on ABC. Future first-round draft pick quarterback Michael Pettick Jr. leads the Huskies' offense. He has NFL-caliber receivers at his side, led by Roma Dunze and a couple others in Jalen Polk and Jalen McMillan. Defensively, Washington plays a tough physical defense. They're not quite as good as maybe they've been in the past. Leading the way are junior lineman uh, Braylon Trice and senior Zion Tupola. Uh, Fatui and senior corner defensive back Asa Turner. Washington is currently averaging 40.3 points per game on offense while allowing 20.6 points per game on defense. Here we go, panel. Washington opened up at the beginning a four-point favorite over the Trojans. Do you agree or disagree with those odds, Chris Harledge? You know, it seems pretty reasonable to me. Uh, USC's a mess. We know that. We talk about it every week. That hasn't changed. But if, if you haven't been paying attention to Washington, they've got real problems. I mean, they're winning every week, but they are not looking good. I mean, you know, 15-7 to 7 win against a, a terrible Arizona State team. They probably would have lost to Stanford last week if that guy didn't drop that wide-open pass in the flats, right? They barely beat Arizona. Arizona's a good football team. But you look at over the last month, they had the really good win against Oregon, which is a really good win because that's a good football team. Other than that, Washington's been bad every week. And every team they play, even the bad ones, have a chance to beat them. So why shouldn't this bad team have a chance to beat them? I mean, I'm saying that a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but I mean it. This is a game that USC can win because Washington is struggling. And, And I suspect that while Washington will be motivated this week, uh, I think USC will too. What that means, I don't know. While Washington will be motivated, Washington still is the team that, that has all the pressure on them. And I think they're starting to feel that pressure. I think, I think they have a quarterback that's starting to feel pressure. I think they have an offense all around that's just not playing the way that it should be playing in light of all the NFL talent on it. This is, this is a Washington team that is ripe for the picking. And if USC had any side of the ball that I thought we could rely upon, I'd feel really good about it. As it is, I don't feel good, but I think it's going to be a close game. This is a game where if USC can make a couple of plays and maybe knock a ball loose at some point, they can win it. So, yeah, three points seems about right to me. Mark, does it seem about right to you? Home team usually gets three points, right? And USC is a four-point dog. Uh, that's That's how people feel about this team who are, you know, I guess using their money to vote. Look, Washington has been struggling. I, someone told me that they've been sick. That team's been, I guess, you know, riddled with the flu. For a month? Well, at least for the last couple of weeks, including Michael Penix. I'm not disagreeing with anything you said, Chris. I'm just kind of throwing it out there what someone told Don't me. ever disagree with me, Mark. Don't ever do it. He knows better, Chris. He you knows. will not be on this show next week if you ever do that. Hey, I'm already one up. I got Eric's approval. So, <laughs> yeah, he may not be here either, but go ahead. <laughs> Look, 
U.S. What what I'm going to be looking for in this game is because you're absolutely right, Chris. USC has enough guys on offense that can that can stress out Washington defensively. What Washington does defensively, though, is going to put a big stress on Caleb Williams, and that's where the issue is. Braylon Trice, I, I think, lived in the backfield uh, this past game. Uh, I, I don't know what the exact number was, but I, I saw pressure after pressure after pressure um, getting after the quarterback. Unless USC's offensive line can make some sort of adjustment, we're going to see how that goes. The other thing is we, we haven't been like bragging about our secondary, and for good reason. If those receivers are healthy and they're doing their job, and USC is just running their standard defense where cornerbacks, you're on an island, it's going to be one of those shootout type of games. So we saw USC versus Cal. That was 50 to 49. Um, I don't remember the last track meet I've ever been to, but we might be at one at the Coliseum this weekend. So it's gonna, it'll be interesting. Uh, yeah. The other thing that, that caught my attention when USC was winning ugly against these teams that Washington is currently winning ugly against, they dropped in the polls. Washington is somehow rising to number five. So we're going to see if USC does win this game, how strong of a number five team is Washington and how much more credibility does, does USC get coming off that type of win? Eric, your thoughts? Well, with the ranking thing, there's a, there's only five real undefeated teams right now. So so they're the last of the five. USC never dropped below anyone that had a had a worse record. But they kept dropping. Than they them. did. Yeah. And I think Washington would too. If they, if there were 15 undefeated teams, they may be 15 at this point. Uh, no, the three, I mean, no, nobody was going to guess that USC would be favored coming into this one. I mean, just... Just based on rankings and, and record, uh, at this point. So four is actually less than I thought. I wouldn't have bet an eye if this was Washington minus seven, minus eight at this point. Uh, but I do think that, that USC fans especially lose sight sometimes of these teams above them are not perfect and that they are this Washington team is not maybe the juggernaut that it seemed like they could be early on in the year when it seemed like maybe USC was was that kind of team too. So anybody can get Washington, I think in the in the Pac-12 this year. You saw that with with Stanford and Stanford got them at home and was down 14 early, came all the way back and and played them really tough all the way through. So USC can can hang in there with them and win. Uh it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Washington does not give up pressure on their quarterback. USC has one sack in the last three weeks right now. And after being really good at getting after the quarterback early on, remember that was that was like the one thing Lincoln Riley could point to. We're creating a bunch of pressure sacks and, and tackles for less. Opponents have more sacks against USC than USC has sacks now at this point in the season. Cal could not get to the quarterback uh, going into last week, ended up with multiple sacks against USC. Washington cannot get to the quarterback this year. 
chances are they're going to they're going to give Caleb Williams some problems a little bit with that because that's just what we've seen from from the USC offensive line. So uh if Michael Penix gets that time to throw these wide receivers get chunk plays big time and what we know of the USC defense is somebody's busting a coverage or missing an assignment somewhere somewhere and so if you give him just like it used to be with Caleb Williams if you give him enough time he's going to find it and defenses have s- decided to just sit in coverage now drop a bunch of guys back try to let nothing over our head make him make right decisions and done well i don't know i don't know if usc can do that or will do that against michael panks and he's going to hit some big plays so this feels like a game that usc has to win i don't know 62 to 59 like is that is that the kind of thing that this is going to be and of course it's college football and every game you feel like that is like 12 to 10 at halftime or something and then then that's kind of how things go but yeah the the expectation here is for me at least USC is going to need some kind of tip ball turnover luck they're going to have to hold on to the ball you cannot give Washington short fields cuz their defense is not good you you look at kind of where they rank and what teams have done. It's not good. It's not terrible, but it's not good. And so this is a team that USC's offense, and I know we have to talk about the USC now and not the USC that was zero and zero back in August when we had kind of expectations for what we'd see. But USC should put up points against Washington if their if their heads are on at all and coming out and playing this game. Washington's going to score maybe at will and and score a bunch on this. USC's going to need and I think and it sounds weird because Washington blew Cal out this year. But it's going to need to be about the same. USC I think is going to have to win the turnover battle potentially significantly, get some short fields and put points on the board. All right, I'm I'm just going to wrap this particular question up. I I'm surprised it's only three. It opened up at three, then it's at four. I thought it would be maybe as high as ten. Uh, so uh, that kind of will transition for me into the, the next question. Panel, what will you be looking for for the USC offense, defense, and special teams against the Huskies? And probably really important if we can be specific, what will be the key to the game, Chris? Well, let's start with the USC defense. Not because I, not because that's fun, but because uh, USC is going to have to mix up what they do this week. Um, Washington doesn't give up pressure. They don't run the ball particularly well. Washington, they don't. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean anything because everybody runs the ball against the team that doesn't, you know, keep contain or you know, fill the B gap, whatever. So Washington's going to move the ball. What USC needs to do is get a handful of stops and hope the offense has a big day. How do you do that? You can't let guys behind you. If if Alex Grinch does what he usually does, and he's manning up on these NFL caliber wideouts without deep help, not getting any pressure on Penix, and almost nobody gets pressure on Penix, then they're going to have 70, 80-yard touchdowns over and over and over again. 
I'm praying that Alex Grinch is not that dumb. I'm not comfortable with that, but I'm praying that he's not that dumb. What you're going to have to do is you're going to have to sit back. You're going to have to keep everybody in front, make Washington throw eight, nine, ten-yard routes, and it's going to be frustrating. It's going to be frustrating because Penix will do it. But make them have ten play drives to drive all the way down the field, come up, make tackles, and just keep everything in front and play smart football. That's what they need to do. If you do that, you might get lucky. You might get Bear Alexander might tip a ball in the air. You might pick it right. A receiver may a receiver may drop a ball. You may get a holding penalty. Stuff happens. Good stuff doesn't happen if you play man on these guys without deep help. <laughs> Good stuff doesn't happen. Only bad stuff happens all the time. Okay, that's what they're going to have to do. Washington's going to score a lot of points. USC should score points too. Uh, Washington's not a good pass rush team. That, as Eric pointed out, that doesn't necessarily mean anything because USC finds a way to get pressure on their quarterback, even against teams that don't rush the passer. But this isn't going to be a Notre Dame situation where every time you drop back, you've got four guys all over him. It's not going to be. Washington's not that good up front. And so Caleb Williams should have an opportunity to make plays. And it may be a little bit more like last year, Caleb Williams, where instead of having, like at Notre Dame, having three or four guys on him the moment he gets the ball, you know, you have on, on, on a, you know, you have a different guy breaking through every time and then Caleb works his magic. But it wouldn't surprise me if Caleb works some magic this week, right? I think he's going to have a chance to throw. I think he's going to be highly motivated going up against Penix in a big game on national television, I think he's going to show up in a big way. And that means that this is going to go into the fourth quarter, I think, in a pretty tight game. You can't miss kicks. You cannot give up those points. You cannot foolishly go for two when you should go for one. You can't do that. It would help if they decided to block for the best young return man in the last 20 years, but they probably won't. So maybe they'll just have to fair catch it. That's frustrating as hell. I don't know why you can't put guys on that, on that kick return team that can block. If you have personnel problems, fix them because that is a huge weapon that you're losing when you have the fair catch because he can't get to the 12 yard line without getting blasted by someone who comes through clean. That's frustrating. And I wish they'd solve it, but they won't. So, what do they do? Keep everything in front and hope that Caleb Williams pulls out some of the old magic. And if he does, you got a chance to win it at the end. Mark? Yeah, so I like the way Chris described it. Um, USC fans will probably remember this defense if you were around for Monty Kiffin. I think everyone will accept a cover two, just keep everything in front, make them move, keep everything between the 20s. If USC's, because USC's defense is actually, they've been okay on third and short, fourth down situations. If you can get Washington into the, you know, even if they get to the red zone, if you can win half that time forcing field goals, I think USC's defense is doing their job. Again, don't get beat deep. Make them go on those long scoring drives. And then maybe, you know, you're not getting into that track meet because the clock is eating itself up. Uh, as far as USC's offense is concerned, use the running game. You know, it works when you use it. Stick with it. Take the pressure off Caleb. So when he does have the opportunity to be Caleb, it, it, he doesn't feel like all the weight's on his shoulders. Uh, you've got so many good weapons to use, and it just seems like 
one game, it's one player. The next game, it's another. And maybe instead of trying to spread everything out, you know, if something's working, just stick with it. You know, last week, you, or you would see Lake McCree get some action, and then you just don't see him forever. If something's working, stick with it. If Taj Washington is your leading receiver and he's got 100 yards in the first half, stick with that. It's those types of things that make the offense hurt itself. They're trying to do so much, and sometimes you just need to keep it simple like we would like them to do on defense. And as far as special teams, you're right. Don't miss any kicks. Take the extra point. Make your short, chippy field goals, because I don't think you should be having to take long field goals, but that's another story. Play cover two. Go Monty Kiffin. Okay, Eric. So for the USC defense, the the points made there, I'm going to echo. I think you look at Michael Penix, and I think you need the line that he had against, against Arizona. He completed 30 passes against Arizona for 363 yards and no touchdowns. And and that's it. I think that's the line you need if you're USC. You need to not give up a big play, right? In that Arizona game, uh, there was one one big play, one big passing play, 57-yard pass to a tight end that got one-on-one in coverage against a linebacker. And yeah, we'll probably see that. But you try not to, right? You, you, give, you don't give up the big play to where these Washington receivers, they they can go 75 yards. They can go 75 yards on a ball they catch at the line of scrimmage or on a ball they catch 65 yards downfield. You don't give those up and you make Washington earn it. They're not great for, for when you say not great about the Washington offense, the Washington offense is, is extremely good, but they are not great, great in the red zone. Eighth, eighth in the Pac-12 in terms of red zone scoring, when you shrink it down because they can't run around a hundred yards a game, when you shrink it down and make them score all their touchdowns in the red zone and just kind of pushing it in, you like your chances to take four points off the board. I think every once in a while on these drives. And so you, you just, that's it for me. That's it. Don't give up the 60 yard hit. In, in one play against Washington. And, and that's it for me for the USC defense. The USC offense score, right? I mean, be, be the USC offense, be the Lincoln Riley offense, put it together on the ground through the air, take your six yard completions, find a way to settle into a zone and hit the receiver. I mean, the, these are some things where you're just off a little bit, right? Like there, I think there were three or four against Cal where it's just a receiver and Caleb Williams need to be on the same page with where they're going to settle in the zone. And it's just two feet off, three feet off. Can't quite get both hands on it. When you do, you can't quite bring it in. Those little things, you can't do that on a third and nine when a guy's open for 10 yards and you throw it a little bit behind or he's not settling where you expect him to. So that's it offensively. You you got to keep things moving and you got to be the offense that you think you can be. And then defensively, you can't no 75 yard touchdowns. I mean, 
I know, I know it's not, it's not going to be easy. Uh, but for me, that's it. You make Washington earn everything they can or everything that, that they put up, uh, on the scoreboard. All right. I'll, I'll say very quickly, offensively score, score, score. Don't, don't trade touchdowns with field goals. Uh, you want to kick a field goal to win it at the end. Great. But, uh, this is one of those games. It's not going to be over till it's over. Both teams have shown that they can come back. They can score in a hurry defensively, keep the ball in front of you, uh, make them drive the field 13 or 14 times. Special teams, uh, I agree with Chris 4,000%. You need to take advantage of Branch. You need to be able to block for him, both kickoff return and punt return. That's going to be a big thing. But the key to the game to me will be interceptions. Which quarterback is going to cough the ball up and create interceptions? Uh, because both teams throw so much, uh, that the interception could be a key one, whether it's a pick six or just, uh, change of possession. Uh, I think that, uh, fumbles, of course. So what does it all add up to? The team generally that in big games or almost all games, it comes down to turnovers in this game, especially could be that. Uh, okay. Final question of the half. You don't have to make it a long answer. But panel, although the game has been announced as a Coliseum sellout at 77,500, do you think they'll all show up? And what kind of an atmosphere do you expect to see on Saturday, Chris Arledge? I don't have to make it a long answer, but I'm going to, Greg. I'm going to talk for 38 minutes on this. <laughs> um, no, they're not all going to show up. And I, the students will show up. The Washington fans will show up. I'm going to show up. I bet you guys will be there. But if you look at the expensive seats underneath Hayden's uh, um, mess that they built over there, it'll be half full. It's always half full. Listen, if you spent $10,000 so that you can buy seats on the 45-yard line and you can't make the game, please give the tickets to somebody else. I mean, really? Really? I get it. I get it. You don't want to drive up from Laguna Beach and and have to park and walk and drive back. It's too much. You're going to watch it on your 100-inch television. That's fine. I have no problem with that. Give the tickets to somebody who will show up. It's frustrating. I mean, it really is frustrating to have all of those seats half full all the time. And, and, and frankly, it's a little bit embarrassing. Now, what will the what will the atmosphere be? It depends what happens. If this is a close game, in the second half, I think it'll get lively. It'll be like any USC game. People will show up a little bit late. They'll be a little bit quiet. They're going to sit there with their arms crossed and wait and see what happens. But if it's a competitive game in the second half, I think it's going to be one of those games where the crowd wakes up. And it could be fun. Mark? No. USC doesn't sell out. They just don't. Um, And, you know, I, I think Chris was referring to the Pat's Ivory Tower um, and people act like it, and that's why it's half empty all the time. So it'll, they'll have a nice crowd. It'll be somewhere in the 60K version, you know, whatever the announced number is. Um, it'll be a good crowd. And, you know, to Chris's point, if, it, if it's a good, tight game, yeah, you know, you'll you'll have the, the energy from, from the crowd. And, you know, I, I've been there when that energy's there. You know, you you can go back to the USC-Cal game in 2004. USC fans know how to react, but they also want a good product. So if I'm spending $10,000 for one seat, 
just well, actually, just for the right to buy the seat, um, my butt's probably going to be probably going to be there. But if not, if somebody is going to be there in my stead, that's the problem. USC doesn't have a good product right now to the people who were funding everything, and those people are staying home. Eric. Yeah, there's going to be a ton of people and it's going to be rocking because that's what I want. And that's it. Let it be written. Let it be done. Yep. I th- I mean, it's it's uh, it's homecoming. The tickets are all out. Right. It's an announced sellout. So they're, they're not trying to sell anything at this point. And I think that as it gets closer, USC is going to do at least an OK job of selling being there and coming to this one. I I think that it's, we thought Utah, right, in terms of it being, oh, almost a sellout and then didn't didn't look like it. I think this one will look more like it's close to a sellout. I just can't, I sit in the, in the press box and you look out at those seats that are reaching up to the flagpoles in the, in the peristyle end and I just, I mean, I would, I don't, I don't wish those seats on, on the visitors coming in. I wouldn't wish those seats on an Oklahoma fan coming to watch a non Oklahoma game. Eric, don't be such a nice guy. It's, Chris would say, put it on a, top of the torch. Sooner fans, Duck fans, that's exactly where they should be. Okay. Backwards, <laughs> right? You, you pick those seats up and reinstall them backwards and then you let them sit up there. That, that I could get it. I can carry get on, Eric. Carry on. Yeah, no, I, I think I think it's going to be a good crowd. I think it's going to be a good crowd. The one thing I wish that USC fans were better at lately, and again, when you go back to before everyone got kicked out of their seats and moved around and they don't come anymore, creating the energy without having to be told. And I don't know if that's where we're at right now where people are just so used to the event organizers feeling the need to do that all the time, tell people what to do. We need to fill it with this noise and this sound and this video thing and this whatever. And you lose so much of the organic, we can do this on our own sense of being a fan there. But you, you really miss that. Mark and I were talking during the Cal game because the, the, Spirit of Troy, the, the USC band, when they go to Cal, they get to sit right down on the field. I mean, they, they are on the field in that section there. Everywhere else, they're, they're in the, they're in the seats I want to give to, to the Oregon, Oklahoma fans. They get to sit up there teetering over the edge of the stadium, trying to stay in their seat. Uh, but we were talking during that and I don't remember this year. And it might, sometimes the windows are closed and you can't really hear everything going on, but just that sound, you used to have, have opposing fans complaining all the time about how often the USC band would play the song. Oh, you just hear them all game. I don't, I don't remember them playing during the year. So, so that's it for me. I think you've lost some of that feeling of college football now with the experience there. But I think with everything kind of here and and lined up, like I said, homecoming and this Washington team coming in, it feels like USC hadn't played Washington in about forty years uh, at this point. So I, I think I think the fans show up. I hope they do. I hope they do. All right, I'm I'm going to fully uh, support uh, Eric on this. 
Uh, because it's homecoming, because SC's coming, even though it was 50 to 49, it was still a win. The Utah crowd was disappointing, but then SC was coming off a devastating loss to Notre Dame in South Bend. So I'm going to say at the minimum, I hope I'm, uh, accurate on this. I think there'll be at least 72,000 and probably more because, uh, homecoming starts, uh, four hours before kickoff. So it's what 1230. So it'll give people a chance. They're going to come back, enjoy themselves. Kickoff time is a, is a good kickoff time for a homecoming game. And I think that by the time the game approaches the comparisons of Penix and Caleb Williams, number five in the country, undefeated, big deal. I think that the fans in L.A. like a big game. Homecoming provides a big game when you play a big game. So I think that it'll be rocking. Uh, but I will say this. You better bring your your, your little uh, ear stuff to stuff your ears because if SC does not play well, and SC, uh, let's just put it this way, loses the game in a very difficult fashion in the sense that uh, they don't play up to whatever their capabilities are, I think the Boo Birds will come out loud and clear, and uh, there won't be any doubt about their feelings on it. So with that in mind, friends, a reminder to USC football fans following the conclusion of each and every USC home and away football game, WeRSC.com brings you five things. A timely analysis from moderator and we are SC editor-in-chief Eric McKinney, along with columnist Mark Culkin and myself. Uh, we'll answer and discuss five important in-depth questions about the just-concluded game. We invite you to check out five things on YouTube and WeRSC.com after the conclusion of Saturday's afternoon's uh, game with the Washington Huskies from the Coliseum. All right. Halftime, kind of a quick topic here. Panel with the Trojans all in all probability no longer in the national championship picture. What bowl game would you like to see them play in? And what bowl game would you not like to see them play in, Eric? Well, for me, I would like to see them play in the L.A. Bowl. Now that it is the L.A. Bowl hosted by Gronk, I cannot imagine what the festivities leading up to that might be. And then the media meal of what I assume would be pizza nachos and a bathtub of jungle juice would be <laughs> just a phenomenal way uh, to cover a game, I think. So I, I'm I'm looking for, I think that's my answer to both of those questions, the one I want them to play in and the one I don't want them to play in. Okay, Chris? I don't even want to answer the question. I, I'm I'm still stuck on your defeatist attitude, Greg. You say that in all probability, USC is no longer in the national championship picture, which is a hilarious way to word it. Uh, yeah, in all probability, I don't think we'll be there. I, I don't care. I mean, um, I guess the Alamo Bowl, because it's close, the Cotton Bowl is close, but every time I watch them play in the Cotton Bowl, it's a disaster. So maybe not that one. I don't know. I think there's a Fort Worth Bowl. Maybe they'll play there <laughs> against against like the fourth team from the MAC. I don't know. I don't even care. It doesn't matter. At this point, I want them to beat Washington. I want them to beat UCLA. I would like them to play a competitive game against Oregon. We can talk about that next week. Um, I'm not the least bit worried about some second or third tier bowl. Mark? Oh. I, I I don't know. I think the Rose Bowl would be kind of cool last time for, you know, 
just throwing it out there. Um, from a selfish point of view, I would like to go back to the Cotton Bowl because their hospitality is by far the best I've ever experienced. No question. So, um, yeah, let's let's do that again. I'm sure, what, third time's a charm, right? And as far as do not want to, Vegas. We'll be really? there. We'll be there for the conference championship game. I don't want to go back for a bowl game. All right. Well, assuming I I, I don't want to. I if they're going to go to a bowl game, I guess the Alamo Bowl. If you haven't been to San Antonio, the Riverwalk, I've been there a couple of times, so it's not any big thrill to me, to be honest with you. Uh, of course, they could end up playing Oklahoma. That might change uh, a perception there, but. I can honestly say that the bowl game, I would not want to uh, see them play in, although the people do a great job, is the Sun Bowl in El Paso. Uh, the whole atmosphere, it's kind of difficult to enjoy yourself there. I felt kind of confined about it. Uh, but um, we'll see how it all plays out, right? Again, El, Paso we- ter- El Paso is a terrible place. By the way, guys, did you know that El Paso is actually closer to California than it is to Dallas? Really? Yeah. I know that. Yeah, it's true. Is that using the latitude-longitude thing? Uh, as the pro flies, I think, is the is the way it works. I, and I don't know what the point is in California. Maybe it's Blythe or Needles. It's not a part of California you'd want to go to, but it's still closer to California than Dallas. So anyway, if, if this may come up in a trivia at some point. Now you know. You're welcome. Well, thank you for providing with us uh, that there's a lot of camaraderie on the program today, right? You just thanked me. I mean, earlier you were supporting, <laughs> you're supporting Eric. Eric was, uh, uh, Eric was supporting Mark. I mean, this is this the difficulty this season has really brought us together. This is the yeah. team defense that we've been lacking on on the field this year. I think I right. we're, we're the we're being the example. <laughs> we are we are giving game film to the coaching staff. Check it out. <laughs> Well, we strongly encourage those of you watching Inside the Trojans Huddle on sites like YouTube to click on the like and red subscriber buttons. It's greatly valued and appreciated. It's free. And you can also listen to Inside the Trojans Huddle on many available podcast sites. And be sure to check out wearesc.com. Become a premium subscriber. Third quarter, lightning round predictions. Time for the Big Ten lightning round and quick responses. We give the panel assortment of questions with quick responses. We'll go in this order. Mark, Eric, uh, Chris, and myself. Here we go, guys. Question one, yes or no. Against Washington, Caleb Williams will throw for over 300 yards and three touchdowns. Mark? Yes, Heisman winner versus Heisman wannabe. Absolutely. Eric? Uh, 300 yards, two passing touchdowns, but will rush for two also. All right. Chris? He will, and he better. (laughs) Uh, I I think he will throw for 300 yards, and I think he will throw for three touchdowns as long as he doesn't throw any interceptions. Question number two, yes or no? Yes or no against USC quarterback, Huskies quarterback, Michael Penick Jr. will throw for over 300 yards and three touchdowns. Mark? Um, On the second half of that question, by the end of the first half, 300 yards, yes, by the end of the game. (laughs) Eric? Yeah, I, I think probably 403. Right. Chris? Yeah. On, on any offense questions today, I'm going with the over. Yeah, he'll do it. I agree. I agree. The pig, farm, the pig farmer lit us up. Of course he's going to. Come on. They let a quarterback that was recruited by Lehigh 
Yale and Penn beat them. <laughs> Almost beat them. Three, yes or no, against Washington. The Trojans were rushed for over 125 yards. Mark. No. Bear Alexander will play the whole game. Wait. Uh, the, oh, the, you're... Trojans, the Trojans will rush for over 125. Oh, I'm sorry. I was on question four. Yes, they will. I'm sorry. Because if Bears tackling Marshawn Lloyd Saturday, I'm going to be super bummed. That's just... I just when I thought things couldn't get any worse. I was reading questions. Don't right. take anything off the table, though. You know there's a chance. <laughs> well, well, let's, let's, make it happen. let's proceed here. Eric? Yeah. Yes. Okay, Chris? Yeah, they will. Okay, I uh, I agree. Question four, yes or no, against uh, USC, Washington will rush for over 125 yards. Mark? No. Eric? Yes. Chris? Yep. I agree. Question five. On Saturday, whose defense will have more interceptions, USC or Washington? Mark? Neither. Ty? Eric? Yeah, I was going to say zero and zero for the for the quarterbacks. I wasn't going there. I'm just saying they're, both teams will collect a couple of interceptions. A couple? I'm going to go one and one. I think one. I think one pick for each side. All right, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say uh, two and two. Uh, it just seems that uh, they both have been interception prone uh, of late. Question six on Saturday: Who will have more penalty yardage, USC or Washington? Mark. USC was what eleven for a hundred yards against Cal. I'm, I'm going to go. With, I'm going with the home team. All right. USA. Eric. Washington. Washington is worst in the Pac-12 in penalty yards per game. Last sure. in the Pac-12. I would not have believed that if, unless Eric was telling me that. It's Look, Lincoln talks about that a lot, right? The best teams aren't always the least penalized teams. Washington doesn't get flagged the most in the conference, but they're big penalties. And and. They are last in the conference in penalty yards per game. More undisciplined than USC. That's, that was my argument. Chris? Washington's going to have 297 penalty yards. It's going to be the difference in the game. USC, by the way, will have 240. It's going to be a Pac-12 special. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll think Washington will because I think Washington has the capability of losing their poise on the road. Um Question seven, Saturday's game against Washington has been announced as a Coliseum sellout, which is 77,500. I think we touched on this already. Yes or no, there will be at least 72,000 fans actually seated in the Coliseum. Mark? No. No. Eric? 72,001. There you go. Chris? No. Uh, I think there will be. Uh, Question eight, yes or no, Lincoln Riley will consider making... Cliff Kingsbury, if available, the Trojans' 2024 offensive coordinator. Mark? God, no. Eric? No. Chris? Just because those guys are so dismissive, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> did, did Chris hear you right? You said offensive, right? I think he maybe, I think he maybe thought you said defensive. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I thought he was going to replace Alex Grinch. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, no, unless, unless, uh, um, 
the head coach decides to get rid of one of his two uh, receiver coaches. And I think that uh, Lincoln Riley, his whole life is like Steve Sarkeesian, basically wrapped around calling plays. Uh, question nine, yes or no, following the 2023 season, at least 10 Trojans will make themselves available to the transfer portal. Yes or no, Mark? I'm going to take the under, but just slightly. Eric? No, I think 10 is is maybe not high enough. Mm-hmm. I think 10 will be pretty easy to get to. Chris? Yeah, I think there will be more than 10. Uh, I think there'll be more than 10 as well. Uh, question 10. If there are Trojans entering the transfer portal, the higher number will come from the offense or the defense side of the ball, Mark? Defense. Eric? Yeah, I don't – honestly, I don't know. I don't know if there's an easy answer. I I could see it split down the middle. I don't think it's always just, oh, this side played bad, so more guys are going to leave. There, There's – all kinds of reasons. So I, I wouldn't have any sort of read on why it might come from one side over the other. Chris. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm with, uh, I'm with Eric on that. I mean, I, I think, I think you're going to get a handful just from the wide receiver room, but, uh, but the defense will probably supply quite a few. I'll, I'll say it'll be evenly split seven each. Uh, I think it'll come from the defensive side of the ball, pending who the defensive coordinator is, position coaches changes, or whether they just feel that any credibility uh, they've been told in the past, uh, they don't trust it. So that's how I look at it. All right, now for the big-time bonus question. Panel, when you were a kid, what was your favorite Halloween costume? Mark. I don't remember what I had for dinner yesterday. I don't know the answer to this question, Greg. I'm sorry. I apologize. Did you eat a Halloween costume for dinner? Come on, Mark. Come on. Did you did you ever go Halloween around the block? I went trick or treating, but I there was. I, Greg, what was your favorite Halloween costume? Well, but he's at that. the end. Yeah, why are we going yeah. out of order? Just because you don't have an answer. That's right. This is not the teamwork we've talked about. We yeah. we talked about how to handle it. That's, that's what's Coach, happening. I'm hurt. Take me out of the game. <laughs> that's what USC's defense does. They're not doing their assignment. Just do your assignment, Mark. Okay. <laughs> All right, Batman. How's that? I don't know. How is it? Yeah. Uh, Eric, what what was your what did you dress up as? Let's dig into Mark's Batman costume a little bit. First. All right. Uh, so we can do that. So my best my best Halloween costume for when I was a kid, I was the scarecrow and my mom crushed it, crushed the outfit. I had to walk down all of it. Uh my favorite was a shirt I wore, I don't know, five Halloweens in a row that said, This is as dressed up as I get. And it was the funniest thing ever. And looking back on it, it it probably probably wasn't. But at the time, I was I was crushing Halloween. I bet I bet year five it was amazing, unbelievable. Yes, Did you actually have straw in your arms and coming out of your. Oh, face? the I mean, yeah, yeah. Here's my first question for Eric: How long were you trick or treating, and up to what age? Uh, Thirty-one. Oh, I don't know, 10, 11? Oh, okay. <laughs> Just curious, something like that. Did you walk around singing? If I only had a brain, did you do that? 
<laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, there, there's like the you know the VHS home movie of of me. I'm not even talking about that Halloween. I'm just I think I was. I think I was like four <laughs> uh, for that one. And I got the shirt a little bit later. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Well, I guess we'll now have to. Chris, did you go as a lawyer? No, no, that's that's not very exciting. Um, <laughs> I had a I had an incredible Hulk costume one year, and it had these uh, these blow up muscles, and 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 the shirt. And I expected that my shirt would rip like it does in the uh, in the show. And I was very disappointed when you know pumping up the these these muscles did not rip the shirt. And that's the only it's one of the very few Halloween costumes I remember. I feel even today like my mom really let me down with that because Oh that's what's supposed to happen. Chris are giving me grief for not remembering one, and Chris just admitted he couldn't remember his. Shirt's supposed to rip. Yeah, well, I, said, I, I, said the whole. I did remember well, first of all, I did remember one second. I didn't try to change the assignments just because I was struggling. All right. <laughs> Keep contained, Mark. Keep contained. Oh dear. Uh okay, well, I had actually three. Uh one began as Seriously? Yeah. Just give us one, Greg. Nobody cares about this. Just give us one. <laughs> Turn the other two into an article. <laughs> no. Uh, okay, I started off with Superman because George Reeves' Superman was kind of an idol when I was like in first grade. Then I elevated to Zorro with Guy Williams. That became a real favorite. But Sup- I- Superman to Zorro is not, that's not elevating. Sup- Superman's at the top. You already, you already got to the top. I, I think you're, I think that's uh, uncalled for. I really I'm glad he went with the original Zorro and not the 80s version. Thank you, Earl Flynn or, or Tyrone Power, whoever it was. That was kind of racially insensitive by Eric, I think. Okay, we're not going there, dude. It we was, though. It was. I, I mean, I, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't want to have to call him on it, but I did. Uh, my my third one was, I thought it was actually one of the better costumes I created, was I did Frankenstein, I think, when I was in seventh grade, sixth grade or seventh grade. The bolts coming out of the neck, and the I put all this talcum powder on my face and got the square head with the, with the uh, hair, so I was... I was kind of pleased with that, but only only three, Greg. I feel like we're just now getting to the point where the audience is excited about your Halloween history. He may well, have been each of those like multiple years. Hanging. I like to leave them hanging, wanting more, of course. Uh, all right, now before we head into the fourth quarter, uh, it's now time for that symbolic thing that everybody always looks forward to: the symbolic lighting of the Coliseum torch. A tribute to USC home games when the famed Coliseum torch is lit between the third and fourth quarter of every home game. And a reminder while the torch burns a little bit, a reminder to all you recruitaholics, don't forget to watch BRSC.com's weekly recruiting video show, Recruiting Roundup, with nationally respected Scott Schrader. And he's the best in the business. And host Dylan Brazier. And again, a reminder to watch Friday's new four down show with moderator Eric McKinney along with myself, bringing you the latest info on USC's next opponent, the Washington Huskies, and sponsored by Prize Pick. So with that, let's get into predictions. The winners for this weekend's Pac-12 game will go in this order. Chris, Mark, Eric, and myself. Here we go. This is for Saturday, November 4th. ASU at number 18, Utah, 11 a.m. Pac-12 Networks 
Utah is a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. Chris, who are you picking? This is a disappointing slate of games this week as I look at it. Um, this is an easy one. Utah is not losing at home to Arizona State. Mark? Utah wins. Arizona State covers. Eric? Yeah, I think it's close, but Utah wins. Yeah, I agree, but ASU has really come a long way. I, I'm impressed by what they've been doing. They've really been getting better. Uh, I, I kind of agree with Mark a little bit about the cover. Uh, all right, Cal at number six, Oregon, 2.30 p.m., Pac-12 Networks. Oregon is a 24-point favorite. Chris? Oregon's going to destroy them. Oregon is the best team in the conference, and at home they're tough. They're not going to lose to Cal. Mark? I, I think Oregon's going to have a little bit of a letdown. Um, they'll probably win. I just I think that's a big spread, though. Yeah, Eric? Uh, Oregon's going to win by 30, yeah. And then they're going to continue the – remember we had the Oregon-USC-Colorado comparison real close right there, and then now it's Utah, and now it's going to be Cal. I don't think they're comparing us to Oregon anymore, Eric. No, just the scores coming in quick succession of the, of those two teams. Uh, I think Cal will, is, was devastated by the loss to USC. Not a good thing to go into Autzen Stadium. Oregon's on a mission to prove – once and for all, that they're the best team in the conference. So I think it, they'll win by more than 24. They'll be out to win by 24, at least 24 or more. Uh, Stanford at Washington State, 6 p.m. Pac-12 Networks. Washington State's a 13-point favorite. Chris? Stanford's better than they were early in the year. They're still no good, and they're not going to win on the road. Washington State, easy. Okay. Uh, Mark? No, this, the second most disappointing team in this conference after USC is Washington State, I think. I'm going to get Stanford a shot here. Eric? Yeah, I think I'd pick Stanford at home, even though their home field advantage is anything but that. But I think I think Washington State at Washington State. Yeah, and I think the only reason that Washington State wins this game is because it's in Pullman. Otherwise, I'd pick Stanford. I think Stanford really shows uh, that they compete. They compete. All right, number 16, Oregon State at Colorado, 7 p.m. ESPN Networks. Uh, Oregon State's a 13-point favorite. Chris? I like Oregon State in this game, but this is a game that Colorado could make close. It's a late game. It's it's at Colorado. Oregon State does not have a high-powered offense. I think this game is closer than people think, but I'm picking Oregon State. Mark? Yeah, I'm going to go with Oregon State. I, I'm interested to see how Colorado starts playing. You know, Coach Sanders is, has never been quiet with his words, but now he's actually throwing his players under the bus during the season. We're going to see how motivated they are, especially since they're even having their stuff jacked in their locker room. So I got Oregon State winning this one. Yeah, that was amazing, wasn't it? Getting stuff ripped off. Ooh, That's crazy. Crazy. Uh, Eric? Yeah, Oregon State on the strength of seven fake field goals uh, beats, oh, beats Colorado. Ouch. ouch. Yeah, I don't know how he. Oh, for those of you who didn't see the game at the end of the first, was it the end of the first half? Uh, Very last play of the first half. Yeah, Jonathan Smith decides for some unbelievable reason to decide to do a fake field goal. And of course, it didn't happen. And you could say that, that was. I mean, they were like at the 30 yard line or something. 20, 20 yard line. Yeah. Yeah, it was a Dennis Lynch chippy. That guy's a that guy's a really good football coach. That was dumb. That was dumb. 
All right. Uh, let's see. So, Eric, who did you say you were picking on this one? Uh, Oregon State. Okay. Uh, I'm going to pick Oregon State, too. I think that they're just a much better program. We'll see if Colorado's fans come out in numbers. Uh, I'm getting a little tired of seeing uh, Colorado always on these ESPN. They're kind of over-milking the cow dry here. Uh, number 20, UCLA at Arizona, 7.30 p.m., FS1. UCLA is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Chris? Not only do I think Arizona will win, I think they'll give them a beatdown. I'm impressed with Arizona. I think that's a good football team. They have two good quarterbacks. Their receivers are excellent. They're physical. At home, that crowd is going to be – that crowd always gets up for USC and UCLA. I think Arizona gives them a 17-point smackdown. Ouch. Don't miss it. It's going to be fun to watch. Hey, everyone in Tucson is going to be able to rush the field two weeks in a row. I mean, if you're going to rush it against Oregon State, you might as well do it against UCLA, right? I'm with Chris. We're going to beat them. Eric? Yeah, but I think it's I think it's close. I think it's close. I do think – I mean, Arizona's good, right? I mean, a, a, a pretty good team. And this was something where I think – Arizona people wanted to go to Noah Fafita much earlier in the season than they did. And it might look a lot different had they done that. So this goes back to my earlier statement about, you know, Washington wins against these teams. They don't drop. USC wins against these teams. They drop. They're good teams. They're good teams. When, when are they good teams? Yeah. The, the pollsters were very unfair to us, Mark. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, it's outrageous that they watched those games and thought USC wasn't very good. No, come on. You know where I'm at with this. I, I sent your son. I don't. I don't. We kept dropping because everybody watched the game and said, that's not a very good football team. That's what I thought when I was watching. It was it. Look, if USC had beat Notre Dame by one point and Utah by one point, they'd be where Washington is right now. I mean, they, they'd be – you are what your record are, is. I have no complaints dropping when they lose. That's not what I'm referring to. <laughs> All right. I'm going to take uh, Arizona here uh, in an upset. I think they've really got – they're on a mission as well to get to a bowl game and get to a, a decent one in their eyes. And, of course, our Cardinal and Gold pick of the week. Here we go. Number five, Washington at number 24, USC, 4.30 p.m. ABC. This is the big game for ABC. Chris Fowler, Kurt Herb Street will be in attendance. Washington started as a three-point favorite. So tell me if you're seeing the game through your heart or your head, Chris. Not going to make any distinction like that, and I'm not going to tell you where this is coming from. But here's what I'm going to tell you: I wish you would. USC is going to get this done. They're going to keep people in front. We're going to get a big punt return from the freshman. Caleb Williams is going to pull out some of that old magic. The Trojans are going to win this one, 45 to 42. Thank you, Dennis Lynch. Uh, Mark, what's the over under, Greg? I'm, I'm taking the over. No, We're missing four extra points for that uh, for that final score, Greg. Uh, let's go. Uh... Wait, Mark's going. Mark asked a question. Mark, okay, repeat the question, Mark. I'm sorry. The, I think it was like 78, wasn't it? Or 76, I think, was over under. Which, going back to Brian Ferentz, uh, Iowa Northwestern over under initially got set for 29 and a half which I think would be the the lowest ever recorded. 
Sorry, go ahead, Mark. I'm taking the over on that all day long. I would take the over on 76, 75, whatever that number was. Definitely take 86, I'd go over. I'd go over on 86. Yeah, that might be the threshold for me right there. Just because of your, it's going to be some 40 to something or 40 to something. Somewhere in there. And yes, UFC will pull it out. I'm going 48 to, to 40. Eric? Yeah, um, look, the part Chris didn't say is that Washington is going to win this game, but I don't have to pick that because it doesn't matter if I'm right on here. I think what I'm going to go with on here is that USC is going to figure it out. I don't think 40 is going to win the game. I think your upper 50s to win this game. I think this one goes, I think offensively you can get kind of lost in that track meet where you are just up and down the field and you need like 58 to win this one. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say here, Caleb Williams finds a way to put that many on the board. You're not taking into account USC's run game, all the incompletions and Lincoln Riley burning his own clock with his late substitution. So just be careful. 58. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If we need 58, we're in trouble, but, but okay. I, uh, ultimately, I think USC's in trouble. Yes, in this game. I, I just... We got yeah. to the root of it. <laughs> yeah. All right, Washington's going to win this game uh, because I just don't have any confidence in the Trojan corners. And I think the wide receivers for uh, Washington are really tremendous. If SC, if SC even starts hearing any booing at all during the game for whatever reason... It could be devastating. The fans have to stay behind them. My heart is going for SC, no question, 2,000%. But part of me just says, you know. I don't know, even believe that, in. Greg. I don't even believe it. By the way, you don't feel good about Whoa, 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 counter. What do you mean you don't believe it? What are you talking about? It almost feels gratuitous to pick on the corners, right? You say, I don't feel good about the corners. Look, there are problems everywhere. It's like going. It's like going to Berlin in 1945 and saying, oh, "I don't feel good about that neighborhood right there." There's just destruction everywhere. Hey, so don't beat. Don't beat a dead horse. Don't beat a dead horse. Try to show. I, I picked some, him. I picked him to win. I picked dude. him to win. I'm a Trojan, Greg. <laughs> well, then you should act like it. <laughs> no, really. I, 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 I hope that I'm wrong. I'm. You know, I just think that uh, if the game is close. To me, it's. I don't like how Washington has been playing the last couple of weeks, but that has nothing to do with what's going to happen this one because maybe they got it out of their system. Uh, It's going to get down to turnovers. I've already said that, but uh, I still think Washington will win. uh, But I hope not. I really do. All right, let's get to the overtime viewer questions and panel answers. Jump in, panel. There is no order here. We'll go through as many as we possibly can. We appreciate all of you. Uh, kind thoughts and great questions or comments. Okay, question one from Troy. Key, Keyshawn Johnson, and Matt, Matt Leinert, calling out Grinch. Is our AD having terminated papers prepared? Yeah, I mean, I, not right now. I just don't. I, I don't see any other way to view it than you get to the UCLA game and then there's news 
probably that week if they're not in the Pac-12 championship game. Maybe the lawyers are reviewing the the language in the paperwork right now. My yeah. only hesitation, guys, is we had all those seasons where we thought there's no way in the world they could bring back Clay Helton, and it happened. It would ju- it would be just our luck that after going through all that, that then Grinch comes back every year for the next six years. <laughs> That's my prediction. Grinch will never be fired. He'll be the interim head coach in 2029. Question two for Redondo Beach. Southern California, Kyle Whittingham uh, just got blown out at home by 30 points. Dan Lanning embarrassed him. If Kyle is the best coach in the Pac-12, please show your work. I that's, don't... For you. that's for you, Greg. That's for you. You're the one that's always touting Kyle Whittingham. Well, uh, I, I don't back off the statement just because he lost the game last week to the, probably the best team in the conference. He did beat USC. He has not lost in, what, the last four times? Uh, no matter who the coach is, so I don't, I don't, I don't have a problem with saying he's the best coach in the conference. I mean, Utah's playing with their third string everything offensively. That's, I mean, I'm, I'm not really gonna hold anything that Utah does this year up against Kyle Whittingham. He's had, he's had some down years. He's had some up years. His roster at, at Utah is not what the rosters are at a, at a lot of places. Those so are I, good, those are both good answers. Take that, Redondo Beach. There you go. Get out your circle. No, no, no. Kyle Whittingham's a good football coach. And uh, and Oregon's a really good football team right now. And um, that stuff happens. Oregon can blow out a lot of teams right now, I think. From Romy of Huntington Beach, California, if Grinch is relieved of his position, who would be asked to take over? Odom. Okay, tell tell the folks who Odom is. So, Oh. Brian Odom, linebacker coach. I think he held that same capacity uh, when Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch left Oklahoma. He, he was coaching up the defense. So I think that would be the natural line of succession. I, I agree. I agree. All right. Question four from Barack USLU Uslu. This is probably the hardest part of Lincoln Riley's tenure. I feel like the extra attention from podcasts and media is getting to team's mind. What does he need to do to keep the locker room and team focused? Also, is Lincoln Riley himself suffering from media attention? They're going to be trouble focusing this week. Number five team in the country is coming in, and they're playing a big game. They'll be focused. Doesn't mean they'll play well, but they're going to be ready to play. I, I, I agree with that. I don't think it's ever been an issue for this team. I do think the media has gotten to Lincoln Riley. Uh, and that's not a good thing. No matter <laughs> his credibility is really shaky. It didn't help the LA that the LA Times uh, college football uh, analyst uh, Brady McCullough just ripped him a new one uh, about credibility. And is he going to lose the fans? And how's he going to get him back? I didn't think it was an unfair uh, uh, column. Uh, I think he hit the nail on the head. And uh, you never want to go there in your second year of a program. Uh, there's a lot of things that have to be addressed. No question about it. And it, it does seep into the players. The players aren't stupid. Uh, so just win, baby. Uh, question five from there. From This is from There Are Only Two in Arizona. Who wins the Heisman? Caleb, if SC wins out, Knicks or Marvin Harrison Jr., any others? Who do you think is going to win it? 
Well, USC is not winning out, but if USC wins out and if they're scoring 58 a game, which is apparently what they would have to do, then I think you'd have a decent chance. Yeah. Yeah. Right, oh, now, yeah. I'm not sure. right now, I'm not even sure if Caleb is in New York. Wow. Yeah, you did write that. So it's not like you're making this stuff he just up. just hasn't had that type of Heisman season yet. If he has three great games against Washington, Oregon, and UCLA, oh, he, he's back in the front runner seat. You heard yeah. it first here. Question six from R.C. Trojan, Rancho Cucamonga, California. Assuming Lincoln doesn't shock the world and retain Grinch, in the panel's opinion, does he have the ability to cede enough control and will the administration pay to bring in an elite D.C.? Uh, I think that they will open the checkbook uh, for a well-known, accomplished defensive coordinator for the amount of money they're paying uh Lincoln Riley, he's not going anywhere unless he decides to go somewhere else, NFL, what have you. So he can take the heat off himself, and so can USC in the football program. They can change the narrative immediately by bringing in and paying for a well-known, accomplished D.C. Thoughts? Yeah, there's the comment about does he have the ability to cede enough control it sure feels like if you're a defense corner and it does play out where it's open this is as inviting a landing spot as it was for Lincoln Riley to replace Clay Helton I mean it it was Lincoln Riley talks a lot about how bad things were before he got here if you come in as a new defensive coordinator there's some pieces here you assume now with the transfer portal you can bring a, maybe a lot of what you've worked with before or bringing players in. And Lincoln Riley is not a defensive coach. He is not going to have his face in your meeting room a whole lot and tell you how to run your defense. If it feels like it would be a fairly attractive job. Now you're, you would be, is there ever a, a good defense on the opposite side of an offense like this? Right. I mean, you have to understand what those challenges might be and people have looked at kind of playing defense opposite an air raid offense even though i know this is air raid you know in quotations with a run game that kind of thing so those would be kind of the the counterpoints that you'd have to figure but it sure feels like a like a spot where you have some room like some some you could have some growing pains and people wouldn't be immediately on your throat because they know where you're starting from with it. And you know what? If you're going to be a defensive coordinator, Big Ten's a great place to be a defensive coordinator. There are only two programs, maybe one and a half, that actually play offense in that whole conference. I mean, look, you look up and down that, you look up and down the the Big Ten standing and ask yourself, is this team any any good on offense? And it's like 90% no. The Big Ten's terrible offensively. Terrible. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't think Alex Grinch is starving on bologna and Cheerios. He's being paid pretty well. USC, when it comes to paying their assistants, the defensive coordinator has usually been pretty well taken care of. Uh, you just go back and and look at who they've had. Even um, uh, what what's his name? Not Orlando, but the guy before him. He he was he was paid a pretty pretty nice dime. So, Clancy Pendergast? Are you yes. guys? I think yeah. they're going to bring him back. I think it's going to be Clancy. No, look. Don't. 
Bologna and Cheerios, absolutely on the media menu at the Gronk Bowl. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't think paying the going market price for a good defensive coordinator is going to be an issue at USC. That's that's not going to be a problem. Well, not if you're paying the the head coach $100 million for 10 years, I would suspect. You're going to make that investment. You don't have to pay an offensive coordinator. That's why you're going to supplement that income. Right, right, right. All right, question seven from SC, the one in Orange County. Who should be the starters at linebacker and defensive line versus UW? Who should do our kickoffs, uh, Dennis Lynch or Eddie Japlisky? And what should be our kicking strategy, given neither one is guaranteed to get the ball into the end zone? Thoughts? I'm going with Rajon Davis against this type of offense. You need somebody who can cover. I don't know if he's the best option, but he's he might be the best option. So give me Davis and Eric Gentry at linebacker. Thoughts, thoughts on the I team think team? Je- I think Cobb and Cobb and Gentry. It'll be Cobb and as, Gentry, of course. As the two, there. It's they're easily the two best linebackers on the team right now. Okay, well, Washington's best offense is throwing the ball. I don't care. Rayshon Davis doesn't know what he's doing out there. He doesn't know what he's doing, Mark. Outside of Eric Gentry, what linebacker looks good out there? Well, Mason Cobb gives you a chance to make some tackles. Okay. So I, that's not. I mean, that's not even questionable. If they may not play Gentry because for some reason they don't like to put their best linebacker on the field, but he should be out there. And Mason Cobb and Mason Cobb will absolutely be starting. Uh, what about the kickoffs? We, our, our defensive line, do you see any changes you'd like to make in the defensive line? I, th- I thought it was interesting. Stanley uh, Telfo didn't didn't play much after being a, a starter and playing a ton uh, all season. I think Solomon Bird and Jamil Muhammad certainly are, are the two guys that have played out there. And then maybe if you can start Barry Alexander twice, you just you put him in twice on the line. Bishop Benton's been flashing uh, for a long time. I think he has. I think he has ability. I'm surprised he hadn't gotten more time before that. I, I he played a ton. He played yeah. a ton against Cal. You could see that maybe again against Washington, where it is right. That line has been so good. You go with the guy that maybe one out of five snaps he can get. He can get back there for you, and you can get kind of a, a havoc play there. Any thoughts on the kickoffs? Uh, <laughs> Why can't we find a guy that kicks it in the end zone? It's I don't bizarre. One time Dennis Lynch goes out there, he kicks it out of bounds, his very next kickoff, it's seven yards deep into the end zone. It's It just makes no sense. All right, from uh, from Rick, USC Rick in Tampa, Florida, I have a sick feeling that Lincoln Riley will retain Alex Grinch with three regular season games remaining. How does everyone on the panel feel about the odds of Riley coming up with some excuses to retain Grinch after the season? I already predicted he'd be here for the next six years. So, uh, <laughs> look, this is this is the, 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 the best example we've had in a long time of USC PTSD, right? This is the sort of thing that USC fans who, who lived through Sark and, and Helton and all the rest of this nonsense, you can't, you can't help but assume that things, that the dumbest thing possible will happen every year. He's not going to keep Alex Grinch. Come on. He's not going to keep Alex Grinch. Yeah, I don't think Lincoln Riley likes negative attention when it's pointed at him. 
he's going to get rid of that negative attention as quickly as possible. Well, well, hopefully as quickly as possible. I, I mean, today it's already not as quickly as possible. All relative at this point, right? And he's got to get the spotlight off of him. There's no doubt about it. And the spotlight, with all due respect to our friends in Norman, Oklahoma, shines really bright in L.A. And Lincoln Riley's – look, you got two major columnists. Bill Plasky tore him a new one. So did uh, Brady McCullough. You can't have that in L.A. I mean, that's just like – that's like uh, the nuclear option. He's got to get that spotlight off of him. Uh, question nine from Bay Area SC fan in San Francisco Bay Area. Do you think that last year's USC regular season record of 11 and one was a fluke? And what have we been since seven and four is more realistic expectation for Riley and USC and in the big 10, what current evidence ex- exists to suggest Riley can bring USC football back to consistent excellence? I don't know if he's going to or not, but the big 10 is not a difficult conference. The Big Ten is full of garbage teams. That's the truth. And when when the four Pac-12 teams come over there, they, they will double, more than double, the amount of decent teams in the Big Ten. Look up and down the conference. It's terrible. It's terrible. Penn State's good defensively. They can't really score, but that's a good team. Obviously, Michigan and Ohio State are good. Other than that, who's good? All the big-name teams in that conference are horrific. Nebraska, terrible. Wisconsin, terrible. Iowa, probably won't score three points the rest of the year. It's a terrible conference, people. They have a lot of big stadiums and a lot of fan support. They have that going for them. They're terrible. That's it. They're terrible. We're talking about the Big Ten like we can't beat Big Ten teams. You get Indiana on the schedule and Illinois and Purdue, Northwestern. Sorry, Eric. I mean – these are bad football teams, almost all of them. Going through the Pac-12 on a weekly basis is far more difficult. In the Pac-12, you're going to face good quarterbacks who can who can put up points. That's a problem because when a quarterback is hot, even a good defense might give up some points. In the Big Ten, 70% of the time you're facing a team that literally can't put the football in the end zone against junior high school competition. That's just the reality. We're talking about the Big Ten like it's tough. It's not. Ohio State's good. Michigan's good. Penn State's good. Rest of that conference, garbage. Yes, Big Ten t- fans, go ahead. Give it to me in the comments, but you know it's true. You know it's true. Well, here's what's also true, and this is something you said. Um, look, SC is not trying to come in fourth place or third place or second place. They're They're coming in that they want to win a national championship, which means they've got to be one of the couple top two teams in the Big Ten, get to the championship game. When you add Oregon and you add Washington, both programs on are up, UCLA is competitive. Where does that put SC in the top six? If you take those uh, four teams and add them to the Big Ten's top three teams, where would SC rank? Not five only or six here. if you keep if you keep giving up forty five points a game. Well, and that's my point. My point <laughs> is is you know, at some schools they'll be happy to go to the Alamo Bowl or the Holiday Bowl, Iowa specifically. But I think in SC's case, uh they've got a road ahead of them, especially uh when you look at recruiting and so on and so forth, has to be upgraded. Um all right, let me try to get through all these here as quickly as we can. 
Uh, question 10 from Gubo and Polanka. I'm confused. I'm looking for Mendoza's. I think that's the Cal quarterback. And Barnes, that's the Utah quarterback's names on the Heisman list. But they're not there. With the way they played against Grinch, how can they not be Heisman favorites? I think that's a rhetorical question, right? Uh Question 11, from Boulder to Birmingham in St. George. I, is that St. George, Utah? I don't know. We all know the defense stinks, but the offense is confounding with all its inconsistencies. Do you think that Caleb has a hand injury? Do you think he is unwilling to take on the role of a game manager and take what the, game, what the defense gives them? And number two, we have all heard lack of NIL money payments to incoming freshmen is the reason SC is recruiting so poorly. How is it that our basketball team currently has a 13th ranked class, according to rivals? Thanks for keep for keeping us sane during these difficult times. Comments? I mean, Caleb, yes, right? His finger's bandaged. If it wasn't hurt, there wouldn't be a bandage on it. He says that it's not a big deal. Uh, I don't think he was throwing as kind of crisply during that whole time. I don't think I don't think it's a major major injury, uh, but I I don't think it's. I mean, he didn't, he didn't play with a bandage on his finger last year, right? It's not it's not like a fashion statement there. So I don't know how much you kind of read into that. He seems to be okay with it, and it doesn't seem like any of his throws are are too affected by it. Um, the game manager thing is just a tough he's played quarterback the way he's played quarterback for so long it is so difficult to really buy into hey don't make plays don't make plays like when he starts scrambling around and goes back to the line of scrimmage and is spinning around and looking for guys he's not I I don't think he's thinking in that moment. Okay, step here now. Step here now. Do this now. Look here now. Do it. Just it's just him. It's just the way he plays. And if you try to throw the emergency break on that guy, I think you're getting into more trouble. So you keep trying to guide him into, hey, let's make this play. Let's make this play. But boy, it it, it would be really tough to tell him, hey, don't play football the way you know how to play football and have played, you know, that way and, and gotten you to this point. Okay. Some of these questions here uh, we held over from the previous week. So I think they've kind of answered, but I'd like to give these people uh, some pub here for writing in. And if there's something you want to add, fine. Question 12 from Corona Trojan fan in Vancouver, Washington. Would like to add the following to this Zach thread. How important is it for Zach Branch to be available for USC in their following games? He elevates the special teams from being irrelevant to a major threat. And on offense, he is a matchup nightmare for the opposition's defense and gives HCLR a much wider set of options. I think we could say we could agree on that Zach is an important, super important on special teams. I'm a little surprised he's been somewhat quiet uh, on offense. Maybe got to get into his hands. One catch on six targets against Cal, and no, nothing easy, right? That's a that's an unbelievable throw and catch from Caleb to Zachariah on that on that connection. That's what they can do. 
you got to find a way. And and we talked about it during the first six games. Are you saving stuff for this? Do, do you have stuff for Washington and Oregon where, yeah, you, you get the ball into his hands easily? The other team has defenders too. They've got coaches. They're not, they're not going to let Zachariah Branch just grab the ball and go. They're going to do whatever they can to shut him down. USC's got to be better. I think better with him though. Get the ball. Um, go ahead, Mark. Do you want to say something? Get the ball in his hands. Do a, a simple toss sweep. I mean, even a simple creative play might work if you run it once. Yeah, I mean, the putting him in the backfield and handling the ball against Notre Dame gave you what seventeen, eighteen yards. I mean, you you need yeah. to do you need to do something, and it can't just be uh, the 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 sidearm quick throw and and hope that the uh, hope that the other team forgets that Zach Branch isn't all over him immediately. Um, but that's on Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley's got to got to do a better job of getting him in space. I've seen him warm up pregame. He can throw the ball. Hint, run the play. There you go. Oh, I thought, you were, I thought you were pushing him for for a quarterback because of Caleb Williams' <laughs> hand injury. Line him up a wildcat. Do a halfback option. Hint. Use him. Yeah. All right. From James USC. Right now we have, and I think this is uh, probably has needs to be adjusted here. But he writes, we have the 109th ranked total defense, and that's after playing the easy part of the schedule. Where do you think this defense will rank after the tough part of our schedule? Thoughts? Does it matter? Good news, it does need to be adjusted. It's 114 now after uh, after Cal. Good. Well, with Washington and Oregon coming up, we should be we should climb back into the the high 90s any minute now, right? Well, they're going to score in the mid 50s, but not a lot of yards. I think is, is what the idea is. Are we looking for a moral victory here? Uh, you know, being in the low hundreds versus the high hundreds. Hey, think how bad it would have been if Notre Dame didn't keep getting the ball at the five yard line. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. USC 113 uh, right now in scoring defense. That's tied with Nevada, which, if you'll remember, gave up 700 points to USC earlier this year. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Question 14 from JCW USC. What are the keys a punt returner looks for before deciding to return or fair catch? Uh, if he's going to get blasted, yeah, you hear the foots. <laughs> <laughs> Your hearing aid is turned on high. Uh, any Chris? Do you, did you ever punt return? No, goodness no. <laughs> I wish I would have. I mean, I wouldn't have been any good at it, but just to be able to tell people that I was the punt returner in high school would have been amazing. You know, the year after I left Lake Elsinore High School. I came back and watched a game, and we had a guy that was a defensive end um, the previous year. I think he was still a defensive end. Big old kid, giant neck brace, and he was back returning punts, and he was terrible at it. Sorry, Mitch, if you're watching this. You're terrible at it. And we asked him after the game, we said, Mitch, why in the world did they have you returning punts? And he looked at us and said, what do you mean? Like he didn't understand it. So, no, I never returned punts, but that guy did. (laughs) <laughs> all right we'll wrap up question 15 from scott and gilbert arizona panel when we're in an empty set with five wide receivers what is the strategic advantage of one of those five receivers being austin jones lined up on the outside have we thrown the ball to him when he's lined up outside comments 
Yeah, the benefit is that if Austin Jones is in the game, the other team doesn't know that you're going to go to an empty set. That's the benefit. And they still have to cover him. It's not like they can just leave him uncovered. That's why you do it. You're also right. You figure out what your formation is too. Do you do you walk a corner outside? Do you throw up? Do you do you take a linebacker out of the middle and run him all the way over there? It's that's the idea, sure. And if they do line him up there initially and they move him back into the backfield, then you have the defense adjusting again from there. So it's I think it's just about moving the eyes. And I don't know if they have this year. He's that a, a running back. A USC running back lined up five wide all the way outside has absolutely caught a pass. I mean, typically that's just like a quick hitch where they kind of stay out there like he did, right? He caught one out of the backfield where he motioned out to the sideline and then hung out and caught a pass there. Ultimately ends up in the same spot doing both those things uh, just just from a different look. And Mark tells me that in warm-ups, Austin Jones can throw the football. So exactly. maybe we're going to run that Maybe we're going to run the play. All right. A reminder again, if you have a question or comments for our panel, go to the WeRSC members message board. Click on the thread that pertains to Inside the Trojans Huddle, viewer or listener questions. Once again, if you've enjoyed Inside the Trojans Huddle, please click on the like and red subscriber buttons. We greatly appreciate your support. Be sure to check out WeRSC.com and become a premium uh, subscriber. That'll do it for Tuesday's edition of Inside the Trojans Huddle. Reminder to watch four downs on Friday and five things on your YouTube following Saturday uh, afternoon's game between USC and Washington. So until next Tuesday, when we review the Washington game, preview the Oregon game, a new Big Ten lightning round and all things USC football, a big thank you again to our great panelists, Mark Culkin, Eric McKinney, and Chris Arledge. And a special thank you to you for all of your help in listening to us and and your comments is greatly appreciated. So until then, this is uh, Greg Katz wishing you a great week. Beat the Huskies. And until next Tuesday, this is, uh, again, Greg Katz reminding you all to fight on, everybody. And come back next week, Sooner fans. <laughs>